So one of the pet peeves that I have about church, there's just not enough eating going on at church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, applause to that. That's, that's a little too much. That, that's, okay. That's where I draw the line. But uh, I thought at the movies, one of the coolest things about the movies is you get food. And so I, I'm not trying to make church like the movies, but I thought, you know what? This morning, I would like to feed you. Okay, we've got, we've got two options here. Is anybody hungry? We've got some candy. We've got Mike and Ike's, Whoppers, and Milk Duds. These are like my go-to movie uh, candies. Yes, Angela, what, what would you like? The Whoppers? It's all you, okay? All right, share them, though, okay? Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. We've got bananas here, or we've got Mike and Ike's or Milk Duds. Milk Duds, if you've got dentures, a bad idea, just FYI, okay? Which one? Mike and Ike's. There you go. All right. And I, I, I got to share, go around this way, okay? I'll come back to you. Now, remember, we've got bananas here. Oh, you want a banana? Good job. There you go. There you go. Okay, so we've got the milk duds and a banana. I'd like a banana, not one. I didn't think you were a banana, but a banana. Okay, over here. There you go. Anybody else for the milk duds? Oh, we got some kids over here. There you go, John and Jamie. That's for you guys. Now, listen, I think it's interesting that there's a few of you in here. And I know some of you, if you had a choice between milk duds and a banana, you're out of your mind because you would choose the banana. No, no, I, I love that, though. I need to be more like that. And I'm sorry if you didn't get any food or anything, okay? You know, it's, I'm sorry about that. But listen, it is amazing to me, you know, nobody has to teach you to choose candy over healthy, right? Isn't that funny? Nod your head if you're with me, right? We all just naturally gravitate. Maybe it's Halloween, maybe it's Easter baskets, I don't know. But for some reason, I grew up, and I just naturally loved things that weren't so good for me. But some of you have trained your bodies, have trained your taste buds, have trained your desires to where you would rather have kale you would rather have bananas. You would rather have something healthy than something that would be destructive for your body. Are you understanding? So with that in mind, I, I would like to talk about this next part of this beloved series. We've been talking about 1 John, and John's writing to believers of various different maturity levels, and he's saying, he's saying guys, I'm writing for two basic reasons. Number one is so that you can know for sure that you're a follower of Jesus, that you belong to God. A lot of people doubt, a lot of people struggle. There's a lot of false teaching out there. And so 1 John is one way that you can know, yeah, I'm, I'm one of Christ's followers. I belong to Jesus, and here's how I know for sure. But the second reason he's writing is to deepen genuine relationships. He wants us to work together. And we're going to look at a few weapons that God has given us. But we live in a world full of desires, right? We live in a world 
that is full of competing desires with God. And we're going to look at that this morning, okay? God versus the world. Three foes that can take God's place in our hearts. It's easy for us to desire lesser things, right? Nod your head if you're with me. It's easy to want whoppers and milk duds. It's easy for me to want to go to Taco Bell. It's a lot harder for me to want a salad over a huge cheeseburger. It's easy for us to desire lesser things. And it, that applies to spiritual things as well. Let's look at this. 1 John chapter 2, look with me. We're in verse 15. Do not love the world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These things are not from the Father, they are from this evil world. And this world is fading away along with everything that it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. This morning we're going to look at three foes. I like that word foes. That can take God's place in our hearts. So look with me at the, the first one. All right, we've got, he says, don't love the world. And, and do you remember what love is? We defined it last week. Does anybody remember it's three components of true biblical love? Blurt it out if you remember. Wow, yeah, give her a hand. That's, ex that's exceptional. I'm glad you got a candy because you deserve it, okay? Now listen, desire, commitment, and sacrifice. If somebody says, I love you, that's the filter you need to run it through. Because all of those three components are in Scripture, and that's what real, true love is. There is a component of desire. But Hollywood would tell us that's all that love is. And that's why it's so fickle. But that's not what love is. Love is, there's desire. Yes, you want to be around that person. But there's also commitment where you are predisposed to forgive that person. You're predisposed that you are going to stay with them. You're going to hang in there. That's what God does for us, right? God came after us and he keeps pursuing us. The very fact that you're listening to these words right now is God saying, I want more of you. Right? And then there's that sacrifice. True love sacrifices. And that's what God has shown to us. He has sacrificed ultimately so that you and I can be close to him. That's through the person and the work of Jesus. Through dying on the cross. He took our place. He took our sin upon himself. And he was buried. And he rose again. Giving us life and the promise of eternity. So that's, that's what God has done for us. That's what true love is. Now God says here through John. He says do not love the world. Or the things that are in the world. For the things that are in the world are not of the Father. If, if you love the world, if you desire, are committed to, and are sacrificing for the world, the love of the Father is not in you. This is another way that John is saying, here's how you know. Here's how you know. If, you're, if your love is for the world, and he defines what the world is in just a second. 
If your love is for the world, the love of God is not in you. This is, this is a somber thing. It should sober us. We should be aware, wow, is it possible that millions of churchgoers in the U.S. could be completely deceived? Is it possible that somebody here might be completely deceived? You, you come to church, you have a religion. Guess what? It's not going to save you. The prayer you prayed in third grade is not going to save you. What will save you is an actual relationship with Jesus where you make him your Lord, your Savior. When you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. I didn't make that up. I didn't write it in there. It's there, and it's from God. So now he defines what the world is. The three foes that can take God's place in our hearts. And remember, he's writing to believers, right? We just got done with chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 12 and 14, where he's talking about we've overcome Satan. You know, as believers, as followers of Christ, we have victory. But we still have opponents, don't we? And these are our opponents. The lust of the flesh. And that word lust is kind of a scary, weird word. Like, people are like, oh, I would never lust. (laughs) All it really means is a severe craving. All it really means is a strong desire. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three things that are defined as the world. What is the lust of the flesh? It's right here. That's the first one. Physical pleasure. All right? That can be sexual things. It could be food. It could be all kinds of, whatever is going to make you feel good drugs it could be all kinds of different things but but there's that's one component of the world is the lust of the flesh whatever's going to make me feel good do you see that anywhere i see that all around me and in fact if i'm honest i see that in me all the time i always i want to feel good i love milk duds all right and then there's the lust of the eyes. Now this just basically is, is greed. Materialism. The idea of what can I amass? What can I hoard? What can I gain? You guys see any of that around? What about when you look in the mirror? Do you see it then? <laughs> we, we tend to keep up with the Joneses, right? We tend to look at material things and it's very difficult to overcome this, especially in a wealthy environment like we live in. And then the last thing that's part of the world is the pride of life. The pride of life. And what does that mean? It literally just means self. Selfish ambition. You know, it's it's you building the kingdom of self. Right? And we we do that a lot, right? We We build our own little tiny kingdom, and then when people attack it, we freak out. But it, when it's about us, that's, that's the world. When you're deciding things about you, that's, that's the world. So there we have it. The, the craving for physical pleasure, the craving for materialistic things, and the craving for self. That's what the world has to offer. And we see that all around. Now here's something interesting. 
Is physical pleasure a sin? You guys are kind of, it's not a trick question. No, no, it's not. Can it be a sin? Yeah. Right? Is it, is it wrong to eat a cheeseburger? Maybe not. But if, if you allow that to take precedent over God, if you allow that to usurp God's place in your life, honestly, I think there's people here, I'm one of them, that what we eat, we don't think it matters to God, but it does. Physical pleasure can usurp God's place in our hearts. And then there's the lust of the eyes. Is it, is it wrong for you to have some things? Is it wrong for you to drive a car? You can shake your head or nod your head. Jesus didn't have a car, okay? Listen, I don't think it's wrong to have a car. That's not what it's saying. It's not wrong to have a house. Jesus didn't have a house. But listen, the point is, when your possessions take God's place in your heart, that's a problem, right? And what about self? Is it, are, are you bad? Is it, is it wrong to, to be you? No, God made you who you are. But when you allow this narcissistic society really contributes to this, by the way. When you allow yourself to be more important than God and his kingdom and others around you, it's idolatry. It's what that is. So here's, here's John, and he's getting really honest with these people, and he's saying, this is what you're threatened by. This is the battle that you are going to face. These three foes come at you from all sides. And if you're just a normal, regular person like me, you see these things every day. Every day, these temptations are, are in my face. Right? So what do we do? How do we win against the world? You know what? It, it's kind of, it's like this. Do you like sunsets? Sometimes you just see a gorgeous sunset. Or you taste a delicious burrito. I keep talking about burritos, don't I? Or what about like, you know, you get a pay raise at work. If you stop at the sunset and just simply enjoy the sunset, the sunset, that's idolatry. If you stop at this, this delicious burrito, do you understand what he's saying? He, he's saying don't stop there. The reason why you love this burrito, the reason why you have a sunset to enjoy, the reason you have taste buds in your mouth, you realize you have tens of thousands of taste buds in your mouth. Why do you have those? We would just eat if we needed to, just because God, you know, we, we need to eat to survive. God gave us taste buds so that we could have that physical pleasure, so that we could enjoy it. But if we just eat mindlessly, and just simply enjoy the food. We're falling short. Do you understand? Don't stop at the burrito. Acknowledge and worship and, and enjoy God more because of that sunset, because of that burrito, because of that pay raise, or because of whatever God has done. Do you understand? Nod your head if you're following. Shake your head if you're confused. 
Okay, don't see any shakes. All right. Some of you just did nothing, and I'm not sure what to do with that. But that's okay. God gave us these things. He gave us physical pleasure so that we could know and enjoy him more. Do you understand? It's all supposed to point to him. Your Xbox game. You should enjoy God more because of that. I'm not joking. You laugh, but I actually know people who came to Jesus through Xbox in my youth ministry. Listen, it can become an idol. And it becomes an idol when you stop at just this thing. Do you understand? Nod your head if you're, you're, you're with me. Okay, good. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. How do we win against the world? How? How? We have these three things that we're bombarded by, right? The flesh, the eyes, and self. Cravings for things we see, cravings for things that we can feel, and cravings for just our own self to be exalted. God gave us a blueprint for how we can be victorious, and it's found in Matthew chapter 4. That's why we just read it uh, when we were doing the worship time. Not that this isn't worship, but the music time is what I meant. Now it says really quick, let's read through this. Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Then, then implies that there's something that happened before it. Okay, what happened just before it? He was baptized. And it wasn't just like, oh look, he was baptized. Something powerful happened, right? If you look in the pretext, you'll see that when Jesus was baptized... Crazy stuff just happened. Okay, he humbled himself, he was baptized, he, he identified with sinners in that. And then he's about to identify with sinners again in the next context. But here's what he did, he, he became one of us, was baptized, humbled himself to do that. Was brought up out of the water and then what happened? The voice of God just came out of nowhere. This is my beloved son. Right? I'm sure it sounded better than that. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the spirit of God floated down like a dove. I don't know if it was in the shape of a dove or it was just gentle or what. I don't know. The spirit of God came upon Jesus. And there was that moment of fellowship. There was that moment of closeness. Koinonia. You remember that word from a few weeks ago? That was going on right there. And it's from that. It says then. So the spirit of God rests on Jesus in a powerful way. Audible voice of God. And then we hear then. Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. The actual better word there is tested. Okay? To be tested by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he ate nothing and became very hungry. Then the devil came to him and said, now, by the way, who led him into the desert? The Spirit. Interesting. If you are, Satan said to him, if, that word if, don't miss that. If you are the Son of God, change these stones into loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. 
They must feed on every word of God. So the first thing that Jesus does here, this will work for you and me. That's the word of God, okay? That's this. Knowing and speaking scripture. Write it in there. If you've got the notes and you've got a pen, write it in there. Knowing and speaking scripture. The first weapon we have against the battlefield, against the foe of the world, is knowing and speaking scripture. The word of God. God gave us three weapons. We're going to talk about these three. Three foes, three weapons. The first one is God's word. This book that you're holding in your hand, or maybe it's in your smartphone or your tablet, it's still the Word of God. The Word of God is alive and powerful, and it can dominate Satan and the forces of darkness. Jesus knew that, and Jesus spoke that. He didn't use his own words. He used God's word. And it's kind of interesting and funny because whatever Jesus spoke was the word of God. You know, in fact, he himself is the embodiment of the word of God, Lagos. We, we, we heard that. But, but listen, Jesus spoke scripture. Some of you maybe need to hear this because you don't know this book very well. And honestly, you are wide open to the attacks of the world because you don't have any ground to stand on. I cannot tell you how many times, and this happens, especially in the mission field, this happened all the time. I was oppressed, I was, I was discouraged or frustrated or upset, and you know what would happen? I just, I was in this horrible mood. And then I would start singing scripture or praying scripture or speaking it out loud, and it would immediately fall away immediately dissipate when I have doubt about if this whole God thing is real and I start speaking scripture and start praying scripture it just falls away isn't that interesting it's because there's power in God's word and honestly there's a lot of spiritual forces attacking us on a constant basis and if you don't know this how are you going to fight what if your Bible knowledge, you know the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, you know, in, in Ephesians chapter 6. What if your sword of the Spirit is directly representative of how big your knowledge of God is? Some of you might be charging into spiritual battle with a sword about this big. Here's the deal. God's word is powerful. Get into it. Start reading it. If you need... I don't know how to start. I don't know where to begin. Guys, on the Bible app, there's all kinds of reading plans. You could talk to me. I'll tell you where to. You just start in the Gospels. Just start reading the stories of Jesus. Just start in Psalms. Psalms has promise after promise for God's people to claim. So there you go. That's the first thing. How do we win against the world? Knowing and speaking Scripture. The first weapon we have is the Word of God. The second thing is in the next couple verses... By finding deeper joy in God. By finding deeper joy in God. This has to do with the Spirit of God, okay? The Spirit of God. Now, I love this, that Jesus was not without the Spirit of God. 
God gave us, when Jesus left, you remember in the upper room discourse, I'm always referring to this, it's, it's found in, in John 13, 14, 15, and 16, and 17, okay? In those chapters, Jesus is having this amazing meeting with his disciples just before he's betrayed. He says a lot of important things. And one of the things he says is, it's better for you that I go, because if I go, then the Spirit of God, the paraclete, is going to come, and that'll be better for you. The Spirit of God is weapon number two against the foes of this world. I'd like you guys to close your eyes. We're not quite done yet. I know some of you are like, can we just be done? In a minute. I, you guys are still looking at me. I, I asked you to please just close your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't think of the color yellow. Do not think of yellow. Please don't think of yellow. And if you think of yellow, I'm going to be furious. All right, you can open your eyes. Now be honest, show of hands, who thought of the color yellow? Come on, you guys, I asked you not to. Oh, man. No, you know what, it's just a funny trick because it's really true. If you're trying not to do something it's hard to not do that, it's hard to not do that thing. The Spirit of God, listen, this is so important, you guys. The Spirit of God, fellowship with God himself that you and I can have on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, it's so much better. It's so much better than anything this world has to offer. Can I get an amen to that? Do you believe that? You know, Jesus had the Spirit of God, and that was another weapon that he had. He spoke Scripture. He knew Scripture. But he also had the Spirit of the living God, and that was so good that anything Satan could throw his way was just not even a comparison. It's not even, not even a, a challenge. Can you and I get so close to God that anything discordant with him would become repulsive to us? In the same way that some of you would be repulsed by milk duds? Because you're so in tune with eating right and what's good for you that the thought of eating badly is just repulsive. There are people like that. I need more of you to be my friends, honestly. Is it possible to do that with God? Is it possible? To have such a closeness with God, such a love for God, that, that when you're tempted to give in to the pleasures of the world, to, to give in to the materialism, to give in to self, that when you're tempted, you're able to stand against that because you would rather have Jesus? Yes, it's possible. That's what I'm working towards. That's what, God is, that's what John is wanting us to be working towards. Don't love the world or the things that are in the world. Now, it's interesting that Jesus was tested in all of these things. The lust of the flesh, that's the first thing uh, Satan tempted him with. Is he said, hey, you're hungry? Turn these stones to bread. Could Jesus have done that? Yeah. But he would have been taking matters into his own hands, right? He totally could have. In fact... He didn't turn stones to bread, but he just manifested bread out of 
fish and, and loaves a little bit later, right? He does stuff like this. But Jesus surrendered to God's will and timing. And then the next thing is, is Satan tempts him with this weird one. In the next passage, he says, okay, he took him up to the pinnacle of the temple, the highest place. It was about 200 feet or so. So it was really high. This, this ceiling here is like 30 feet, something like that. So it would be really high up there. Took him up to the pinnacle, the top. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Because the scriptures say that if you are, then God will have his angels protect you and you won't even get hurt you won't even stub your toe and what was the temptation there <laughs> if i did that with you you would be like no it's not even a <laughs> not even a problem but what he was trying to do is he was tempting jesus with who are you he was tempting him with self he was tempting him with pride he was saying you are special to God. So prove that you are. And you notice he kept saying if. If he was trying to create doubt in Jesus. If you are the son of God, show it. And God will show up. Force God's hand is what he was tempting him to do. He was tempting Jesus to exalt himself over God the Father. Self. Pride of life. That's something you and I face every day. So here's Jesus. He identified with us in his baptism. He identified with us in being tested, being tempted. We face this all the time. And then the last thing is obvious. Jesus he, uh, was taken by the devil to the, this high mountain over all the world. I imagine it was maybe Mount Everest or something like that. And he saw all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if, if you want all of this, all you have to do is bow down and worship me. And that's the pride of, uh, that's the lust of the eyes. That idea of, I want more. And Jesus literally cast Satan out. He commanded him to go. And he left. And he spoke scripture. So the first weapon we have is the word of God. The second one is the spirit of God. Finding deeper joy in God. Nothing compares to him. Did you know that? Psalm 27, verse 4. I love this. The, the psalmist writes, this is David, by the way. He said, one thing I ask, the one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of God and behold his glory. That's all he wants. What about you? How much do you want Jesus? How much do you want this closeness with God? So, how do we find deeper joy in God? Well, experiencing God, time with God, seeing and savoring who he is. That word savoring, do you know what savoring means? I love that word. Savoring, it means you don't want it to end. Do you understand? When you, when you take a bite of just amazing tri-tip, you're not trying to swallow that as fast as you can. It's not like when you take a bite of like Brussels sprouts or something. And you're just trying to like, just get it down, okay? Or raw broccoli, to me, the way it just falls apart in your mouth, it's just kind of like, uh, steamed broccoli I can deal with. But raw broccoli, I'm just trying to get that down. I do not savor broccoli. 
But when you savor something, when you savor a conversation, when you savor a relationship, when you savor Jesus, you, you just don't want it to end. That's, that's what it's talking about. That's one of our weapons is the spirit of God. We could be so close to God that the temptations of the world don't, they just don't matter much. And then the third thing is by prioritizing genuine community. Now, you're wondering, where do you see this in Matthew 4? You know what? It's, it's really not in Matthew 4 as much as it's in the pretext where the Spirit of God, you see the Father, you see God the Father, you see Jesus, and you see God the Holy Spirit. And you know what that is right there? That's a community. The reason why God values community is because he is a community. He is love because Father, Son, Spirit, they love each other, desire, commitment, and sacrifice. They have this fellowship, this koinonia, that you and I can only get glimpses of in our sinful nature. But here's Jesus having this relationship with God, this closeness with the Spirit. And that was one of the, the powerful things, the powerful weapons he had against Satan and against the attacks of the world, the people of God. Prioritizing genuine community, the people of God. Brothers and sisters, it's so important. That's one of the weapons that we have against the world. What are they again? The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. That's our arsenal against the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Do you understand? Nod your head if you're with me. Okay, do nothing if you're half asleep right now. Okay, good. All right. The people of God. You know what's funny is Satan, the world, if they can't make us sin, they're going to make us busy. You know? And I hear all the time, I don't have time for life group. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time for, for blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. I know we're busy. I'm busy, you're busy, Americans just tend to be busy. We all have 24 hours a day. And we are all responsible for how we use those, those hours. We need to prioritize genuine spiritual community. We need to have an oikos, a church where we're together and we work together. Now, I can't tell you what priorities to make what but I can tell you that if you don't have genuine community with other people who are every day speaking truth into your life every day encouraging you that's why we are doing life groups do you get it what happens between Sundays is far more important than the hour and a half we spend together here what happens between life groups is far more important than just those couple hours that you have but prioritizing genuine community that's what we have that's our weapon that's, that's how we can be lifted up. Chances are, a lot of you were discouraged this week. Some of you were so depressed, you couldn't even really get out of bed, maybe. And you just keep it quiet. You keep it secret. Some of you, your marriage is in trouble and you're struggling. What do you do? God has given you a weapon. He's given you a way to be victorious. But we're so busy with soccer practice. Or 
I really need to watch The Bachelor. It's just a priority in my life. And you know what? Those of you laughing are actually watchers of that show. You know what? We can make time for what is really important. We can. Prioritizing genuine community, the people of God, is a weapon that we have. So I'd like you guys, we're going to close here in a second. This is about God versus the world. How do we win against the world? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? The worship team is going to come up here. I'd like to run you, I'd like to ask you to run your life through the 100-year test. The 100-year test. How do you spend your time? Look at your day, look at your week. You could even look at yesterday. How are you using your time? Are you investing in things that are going to be worthy of your time and investment in 100 years? Are you investing life, your efforts, your desires, your commitment, your sacrifice? Are you desiring, committing, and sacrificing for things that will be around in a hundred years? We've talked about three things. The word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God. In this time right now, what is God asking you to do? He wants you to be strong. He wants us to be strong together. John 2 is written in the context of a group of people, an oikos of genuine community. The word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God. I want to give you an opportunity now. We have these things called smart goals on the back of your paper. You can write out a little smart goal. How does God want you to obey? Make it specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, put a time frame on there. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something in your church. And if I could be honest, how did it begin for me to see and savor Jesus, to have him be a desire that's so much more worthy of me? He's so much more worthy of my time and my effort, my desire, commitment, and sacrifice. He's more worthy of that than, than wealth. He's more worthy of that than, than anything this world has to offer you. You want to know where that started for me? It was in college when I was in a sinful pattern, and I had gone through this sinful season, and breaking free from that required me to be unsophisticated. It required me to be undignified. It required me to confess my sin to people in my life, to my mom and my dad, to friends. And when I said, Jesus, I'd rather have you than my sophistication, my dignity, that's when I began to discover Jesus is better. He's better. So for me, the first step in relishing and savoring who God is in this relationship with him was in college when I chose him over everything else. And I, I gave him everything. And I've never gotten over that. That closeness is still with me to this day. So that's why we have this time. For you to come forward, for you to pray, for you to just have this anchor point in your relationship with God where, yes, God, I want to make a difference. I want to be different, Lord. I want to be victorious, God. I don't want to... 
Don't want to struggle like I've struggled. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that for anyone who's searching, anyone who's struggling, anyone who just is led by you, Lord, maybe they just need to to step out just to get over themselves, just to, to get past that sophistication of being safe and being secure in their own little spot, Lord. I pray that you would move our hearts, that you would, you would let us want you more, that we would come forward, Lord, and we would worship you, and we'd give ourselves to you in a fresh new way. Lord, I pray that we would do that at Crosspoint, that we would be a church that just is desperate for you. Lord, a church of genuine community where your spirit is here, where your word is here. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? This worship team is going to play through a couple songs. If that's you, if God's doing business in you, come join me at the altar.